We're going to have some red light preaching going on. If you've never been part of this, these boys try to usually get a 45-minute sermon in about 10 minutes. And uh, some of them can do it. Some of them can't. Uh, <laughs> some of them get tore up and tore loose. Last year, the, the stoplight just disappeared. And uh, Kenny got to preach for a long time, didn't he? But uh, we've randomly selected these men to go in no specific order. And uh, we're going to uh, let them preach. Now, this is how this is going to happen. Uh, as soon as Preacher Bobby is going to kick, it up, kick us off, he's going to come up here and he's going to begin to preach. As soon as he says his first word, we're going to put him on the clock. There's a red light in the back of the building. Brother David's running back there in the back. That red light is going to turn green. Preacher Bobby, you've got 10 minutes to say what you're going to say. So go ahead and have that mic turned on. You don't want to be fiddling with that and all, you know, before you get up here. I'm just trying to give you some tips. You've never done it. Brother James never done it either. But it, it, it's something else. I enjoy it. And the, the folks enjoy it. Amen. Uh, but you're going to have 10 minutes to preach your message. Uh, when two minutes remains, the light will turn yellow. And they've got two minutes left. And then when it turns red, you're going to hear this. That means you're done. And if these boys don't want to get down, we've got some of Spartanburg's finest in here that will usher you back to your seat. And the next man, they'll just keep handing that mic off until they get done. And Brother Kenneth Cash will go second. Brother James Childers will go last. And uh, brother, you end up the service any way you see fit. Uh, you give the invitation and the Parsons will be glad to come back and sing for you, okay? So make welcome Brother Bobby Bowers tonight. You come over, preacher. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Our Father, I pray that the dear, sweet, and precious Holy Spirit might be in this place in an unusual way tonight as He has already spoken to our hearts. May He continue to move in this building tonight. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this good singing. and We pray now that Your Word will find its place in the heart of every individual in this room tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. It's hard for me to read the Scripture in ten minutes, but uh, i got ten minutes, and I want to get right in to the message tonight. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight on the subject, Contending for the Old-Time Religion. The aim of this letter that Jude has pinned down... Of course, you know that Jude was a half-brother of the Lord Jesus. His aim was to write a message about salvation. But as he began to, to write, he was led by the dear, sweet, and precious Holy Spirit to abandon that theme and warn believers of the false teachers now in the church. 
You will notice if you've studied this passage that Second Peter is parallel to this passage. Jude, of course, was a written after Peter because Peter prophesied that these false teachers would come. You will notice in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall be in damnable heresies, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Yeah. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. So Jude states that these false teachers are already in the world uh, at work. So the question tonight is, how are Christians to react to this danger of the false prophets that are inside the church now at work? Paul, uh, excuse me, Jude says that we are to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Now, when I speak of old-time religion tonight, I do not mean religion in the common acceptation of the term, but I refer to genuine, old-fashioned, Holy Ghost regeneration. I'm talking about salvation by and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been many people who have been religious, who know nothing whatsoever about salvation, Holy Ghost, regeneration. The many religions of the world cannot be defined by one simple statement. Some define religion as belief in one or more gods or in a supernatural being. Religion has been one of the most powerful forces in history. Many have died for their religion. Many have gone to war for their, for their religion. Right. While I speak to you tonight, some mother is taking her perfectly born baby, infant baby, and throwing it into the Amazon River to appease their religion. But what I'm talking to you about tonight is not religion. I'm talking to you about Holy Ghost regeneration by and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there are many religions in the world. There's Christianity, of course, which is the most widespread religion. Judaism, the religion of the Hebrews. Hinduism, the religion of India. Buddhism, that began in India but become more widespread and widespread in China, Japan, and Southeast Asia. Confucianism, the religion of China. Islam, the youngest religion in the world, who claim to have more than 465 million members. But what I'm trying to say to you tonight, it's possible to be religious 
but not participating in the old time religion. That's what I want to talk to you tonight. I'm talking about religion that teaches that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, whom we believe to be the virgin-born Son of God, who lived, died, who rose again, ascended to heaven, now sits at the right hand of God the Father, soon to return for His bride, the church. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm talking about old-time religion. Now, when I speak of religion, old-time religion, I do not mean religion in the common use of the term. But I refer to salvation, genuine, old-fashioned, Holy Ghost regeneration. And it's worthy of our defense tonight. Folks, I, uh, I got this privilege to preach about ten minutes ago. So I'm, I'm preaching as hard and as fast as I can. Cause I want to get in in here. There are four things I want you to see, but I got to get to where I'm going here. Uh, old time religion that I'm talking to you about tonight teaches that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. It's the religion that teaches that the Lord Jesus is coming back for us after a while. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go. Got my bags packed. Uh, I'm skipping part of this. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go here. There are four things I want to call to your attention, and I won't be able to preach them, but I do want you to see them. I declare unto you that the old-time religion is worthy of our defense because, first of all, the old-time religion is the one true religion. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. But I declare unto you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men, neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. James talks about the true and false religion. If any man among you seems to be religious... And broadleth not his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart. That man's religion is vain. Of none effect. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. You see, there are Satan worshippers today. Religious people and their vile methods of worship and multitudes of souls are engulfed in the blindness and darkness of religious systems that are false. Y'all with me? I'm talking about the one true religion. Uh, There are three marks of false religion. 
And James describes them for us. And, what? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on here. The, the old time religion is the one true religion. The old time religion is the tested religion. The old time religion is what? The triumphant religion. Hallelujah. My, my. Bowers. He's a retired minister, pastored many, many years in Greenville, South Carolina. Amen. This here is uh, Pastor Kenneth Cash of the Universal Free Will Baptist Church, and he'll preach to you as well. So make him feel welcome, all right? I'll ask you to stand just a minute while I read from Second Chronicles chapter 5. Verse 1, I'm going to try to continue uh, with uh, uh, some thoughts that uh, uh, kind of correspond with Brother uh, Bobby's uh, message. I wish it had just went on. He could have took my time. It would have been quite all right. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. Thus, all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver, and the gold, and all the instruments, put he among the treasures of the house of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you now to bless the reading of the Word. Speak through us as you have, Brother Bob, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on the treasures in the house of God. The treasures in the house of God. Uh, There are many references uh, to the treasures in the house of God or in the house uh, of the Lord in the Old Testament. Treasures that had been gained by victories. 1 Samuel 8 and 11, uh, uh, King David subdued nations and he... Uh, gathered uh, treasures from them and brought them to the house of God. Also treasures that were gifts from kingdoms that wanted a league with Israel. Uh, There were also treasures given uh, by the people for the tithes and the offerings. Treasures used for the upkeep of God's house. Treasures used for the need of God's people. Treasures used to make the vessels for God's worship. Treasures, treasures, treasures. And where did you find those treasures? They're found in the house of God. That is said that when Jesus in Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2, He was sharing with them about the end and they were talking to Him about the, the, the great temple. And He said, let me tell you something about this temple. He said... In the future, not one stone will lay upon another 
in this house. And some 40 years later, that's exactly what took place. It was laid level with the ground. Not one stone was left upon another. Now, I don't know all of the details about that, but I've heard them say that they were hunting the treasures in the house of God. But I believe they might have come up empty-handed because they were looking in the wrong place for the wrong kind of treasures. So I want us now to go fast forward right quick. And I want us to take a walk through the treasuries of the house of the Lord. And I want you to cast your spiritual eyes on the treasures that are found in the house of the Lord. The first treasure that I think about is the good old Word of God, of the Bible, and the preaching that comes from the man of God, teaching that comes from the teachers. I'm here to tell you, that's a precious treasure in the house of God. First of all, in here is the sacrificial treasure of the gift of God. The gift that purchased a place for you and me throughout eternal ages over yonder in glory land. The settling treasures of the goodness of God. Providing us with good things. Luke 1 and 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then there's this, those, uh, not only the settling treasures uh, that you can anchor in and trust in, but then there's the sustaining treasures of the grace of God that covers us and keeps us while the enemy is out to get us from thanking thanking God that I'm covered and I'm kept by that amazing grace of God. What about the treasures of prayer? Well, we can talk to the Lord. The Bible says that we can be ushered into the presence of Almighty God in a word of prayer. Hebrews 4 and 16 The Bible says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in time. And He brought the thankful that down on my knees I'm higher than anywhere else. Buddy, you're right ushered into the throne room of glory. Treasures of prayer. But then there's treasures of praise music. Did I look in that verse of Scripture and find that they put the instruments... Uh, there uh, with the treasures uh, in the house of God. I'm here to tell you uh, music, uh, praise music that honors God. Uh, that's a treasure. But when you come in, uh, let folks sing those songs of Zion. Uh, but that'll lift you up. Uh, that'll encourage your spirits. Uh, that'll give vitality and strength to you. I'm saying to you, uh, boy, we felt the power of God in this place tonight. What about the treasures 
of our Christian family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, support us, encourage us, pray with us, give us a hand up, help us through the trials and the troubles and the tribulations that we encounter in this life. I'm telling you, there's a treasure in the house of God with the family of God. Well, where's the clock? Oh, I ain't even got a yelling yet. Hey, I can go on. What about the treasure of the Holy Spirit of God? What a powerful treasure. Second Corinthians 4 and 7 says, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Though we're troubled on every side, we're not in distress. Though we're perplexed, we're not in despair. Though we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. Though we're cast down, we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in our body the sufferings of the Lord Jesus. That the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in our lives. I'm saying to you, uh, the Holy Ghost uh, uh, is filling the vessels uh, in God's house uh, and making them treasure. Well, uh, there's these treasures are hallowed treasures. You know, everything, almost, the Bible says almost everything in the house of God. In the house of the Lord is sprinkled by the blood. For I'm so thankful that I've not just been sprinkled. I have been covered in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about all of these treasures are hallowed treasures. They've been set aside for the God's use in this world. Well, these hallowed Treasures are dedicated treasures, but then they're His treasures. We belong to Him. The Word of God is His Word. The Spirit of God is His Spirit. Prayer is His gift to us. Our brothers and our sisters, they're His gift. They belong to Him, and God has given to us for a little while uh, to help us through this life so that we can be rich. Well, uh, they're profitable. They're precious treasures because of their intent, because of their content. Uh, They are profitable, used for the provisions of the needy and used for the practice of worship. They're priceless. You look at Calvary and... We're worth something to God. He gave it all, the pearl of great price. He gave everything to buy that pearl. He saw us as pearls, and he paid everything he had for you and me. But then there's hidden treasures. I want you to look beside you. Look in your lap, if you will. Look to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you. There's some hidden treasures in this place. They just need to be found. They may be one in here 
this evening, you're not right with God. You're hidden treasure. Boy, you can be something for God. If you just allow God to do something with you tonight, get on this altar and get right with God. You'll no longer be a hidden treasure, but you'll be an effective, active, involved treasure to the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you. All these, hallelujah. That's good, ain't it? Amen. 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 I want to introduce to you now this fellow here has been around a long time. Amen. He pastors the Chesney Free Will Baptist Church in Chesney. And he's a friend of ours and man of God been standing faithful just like these other men for many years. Make welcome preacher James Childers tonight. Starts on the first word. Yeah. You got something planned, don't you? Good to be numbered with these elderly preachers. I thought Kenny was going to lose his wig. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ain't no use for you to turn. I'll be gone before you get there. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Want you to go with me tonight to a little room that's on a wing of Pilate's Hall. It is a place where prisoners have been sentenced. It is about a seven by seven room. One little window near the top about the size of a man's face. If you look real closely in that cold, damp, dark room, You'll see a figure huddled over in the corner. He is sitting there with dirty rags. An unkept face. Hasn't seen any water for a bath in a long time. His hair is a mess. But there he sits. He's huddled up in a corner in kind of a fetal position. Got his knees pulled up near his chest. And his arms are around his knees. He is wondering how in the world his life came to be such a mess. About an hour ago he got to his feet. Looked out that window. That is so positioned that he could see across the walls of Jerusalem. And he sees a hill. About 12 o'clock that day, he's to be crucified on that cross for crimes that he had committed. He had been a criminal all of his life. Started in the young days 
And it seemed easy and it seemed fun at first. Then it got to be a serious matter. Why should he work for a living when he could take from others the money that they have worked for and the treasures they have worked for? But he's now thinking about his past life. How in the world could I have gotten in such a mess? Maybe if mom and dad had paid more attention, maybe if mom and dad had took me to the house of prayer and to the synagogue and to the temple, I might not have turned out like this. But I really can't blame them because there was a time when I had a choice and I chose the wrong path. I found it easy to rob. I schemed. I planned. Didn't make any difference who came across my path. If I thought they had any money, I'd rob them. But one day, while robbing someone, something terribly went wrong. They fought back. And in the fighting, I took their life. If it had been another Jew, probably it would have been overlooked. Because the Romans that were in power did not care how one Jew treated another Jew. But this happened to be a Roman. And there was an eyewitness to him being, his life being taken by me. They hauled me to court. The sentence is death. I only have a few hours left. Maybe just a few moments. I'll not see daylight very long. The only sunshine I've seen is what comes through that little window. I'm doomed. I wish I could live my life over. I wish I could go back and undo some things that I've done. But that's impossible. Listen. I hear the soldiers coming. I hear their footsteps ringing down the hall. I had been taken from the other prisoners that were in Pilate's hall and I have been now in this place by myself. But I hear them coming. I hear their keys in the first set of jail doors. And I hear those rusty hinges as the gates swing open. They're getting closer now to where I'm at. I hear the key being placed in the door of my cell. They're coming to get me and carry me away. And my life is going to come to a tragic end. They open the door. I stand as best I can in a trembling condition. And I hear the soldier say, It's time to go. And out the door I step and down a long hall I step and I hear the mob outside jeering and laughing and waiting for me to appear that, they, that, that I'll be crucified and they're going to watch me die a horrible death. I'm outside the courtroom now. I'm outside of Pilate's hall. I'm looking down a long street that leads to a place called Calvary. When suddenly one of the soldiers says, Barabbas, 
stop. And he takes a key and unshackles my arms. And he takes the key and unshackles my feet. And says something that I can hardly believe that he's saying. Barabbas, you're free. What do you mean I'm free? I've been sentenced to death. I've been in that holding cell all of this time. What do you mean I'm free? Barabbas, it's true. How can that be true? Well, Barabbas, somebody's taking your place. What do you mean somebody's taking my place? As cruel a man as I was, you mean there's somebody that's worse than I am? Oh, no. They examined this man and could not find any fault in him. They looked him over up and down and then they were going to let him go. And Pilate did not consent to his death. But that religious mob out there wanted him dead more than they wanted you dead. And Barabbas, there's somebody taking your place. But such were some of you and I. I've never murdered anybody. I've never robbed anybody. But I was still in that dark, damp dungeon of sin. I was shackled by sin. I had no freedom on my own. Until one Easter Sunday morning, somebody told me about somebody that went to Calvary and took my place. I fell in love with that man. And I accepted him as my Savior. And today I'm set free because somebody took my place and went to Calvary in my place. I don't know how much time i got, but I want you to go with me real quick to an upper room just outside the walls of Jerusalem. We see Jesus sitting at a table the last time He'll ever eat a meal before He goes to Calvary with His disciples. There all of them sit and supper being finished. Jesus arises from His seat. There's a pitcher of water over there sitting in a basin. Jesus makes His way to that water and takes that water and pours it into the basin, girds Himself with a towel and takes that basin and turns to those fellows that He just had supper with. He comes to James and John, two brothers. Surely, the Lord is not going to wash their feet for... He knows the time. Jesus knows everything, by the way. Future and past and present. Surely He's not going to wash the feet of James and John. For He remembers the time when their mother went to the Lord and and said, When they get into your kingdom, allow one to sit on one side and one to sit on the other side. And they never rebuked Him. And they never rebuked their mother, but they went along. These fellows were looking for an upper seat beside the Lord. Then he turns to Peter. Surely the Lord is not going to wash his feet. Jesus knows in just a little while 
that Peter is going to deny him. He knows that in a little while he's going to warm himself by the devil's fire. In a little while he's even going to curse and say, I'm not a disciple. I'm not part of that crowd. Surely he's not going to wash Peter's feet. I'm going to skip forward a minute. Then he comes to Judas. Surely he's not going to wash the feet of Judas. For he just said while he was sitting at the table, one of you is a devil. Surely he's not going to wash the feet of Judas. But I believe he does. And I believe that Judas, as he puts his feet in that water, knows that he's already sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And he's going to place a kiss of betrayal upon his cheek to let folks know who he is. But hold on a moment. But such were some of us. For we denied knowing Christ like Peter. We have failed to speak up on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's times we kept silent and you'll have to be uh, uh, true about it. There's been times that we wanted ourselves elevated like James and John did and there'll be times in the future when pride will try to lift you up in your life. We are as guilty as those folks sitting around the table. Amen. Amen. But I'm glad the Lord still washes us. With all of our faults and failures, He still loves us. He helps us. And we can be successful following the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our faults and failures. Hallelujah. He took a light down. Ain't no light no more. I'm through. I tried to put up that message in 10 minutes like I was told. I'm a little obedient boy. Let's stand, please, all over this building. Parsons, come on. What a joy it is to know Christ. I'm glad that I'm acquainted with the old time salvation Brother Bobby talked about. And I'm glad that I found treasures in the house of the Lord. And with all of my faults and failures, I'm glad the Lord still loves me and still washes me. Hallelujah. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart tonight. Every one of us ought to be on this altar thanking God that we're saved. Amen. Amen. Those of us who are saved. Those of you who are not, you'll never find a better place nor time than around this old-fashioned altar to accept Christ as your Savior. You're among friends tonight, and you're among people that love you, but most of all, you're in the presence of an Almighty God. That makes all the difference in the world. Step out and come on. Maybe it's a problem you need to talk to the Lord about. Maybe it's somebody in your family you need to pray for. However God speaks to your heart, you just come on right now.